Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today is December 15th, 2023, and I'm joined in studio today, as usual, by IPI's resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. And today, Dr. Matthews, we want to talk about something you've been doing some research and writing into, which is what can Donald Trump learn from the Switzerland tariffs? Right. And it's my understanding that recently Switzerland has announced that they are going to be reducing some of their tariffs virtually on international their trade. trade. Virtually all of their tariffs. And, you know, if you remember that in 1980, Milton Friedman did a PBS series on his book, Free to Choose. Free to Choose. Very influential. And I remember seeing a scene where he's on a boat and he's going into Hong Kong and he stands up and says, welcome to the freest country in the world. Now, this was before China took over control over Hong Kong yeah. in the in the mid-90s. Right. So this is 1980. We should also mention that Johan Norberg, a friend of ours at IPI, mm-hmm. has also done sort of a uh, update of that video series on PBS Free to Choose. But the, 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 the Milton Friedman Free to Choose on PBS remains sort of the seminal you know, description of... F- of free trade for the average interested citizen. Right. And one of the reasons why he said Hong Kong was going to be the free, was the freest country in the world is because it has zero tariffs. And by tariff, that is a tax when a when a country imports things, when people in a country import uh, product from other countries and they put a tariff on it, that's of course a tax that the people living in the country pay on that imported product. Right. And uh, Hong Kong had zero tariffs on things. Well, that's actually still the truth, still the case. But the reason I bring this up is because, as you mentioned, Switzerland has announced that it is dropping import tariffs on almost all of its products. 95% of all imports will be tariff-free, and that's up from 81% that were tariff-free today. So it's, it's a significant increase. And the government, and that's going to start at the beginning of 2024. Mm -hmm. And the government says, we know we will lose some revenue from this. The government budget's going to take a hit, but it's, it's Swiss people who aren't paying these taxes. That's a really, that's a really good point that we should just really, really emphasize on this podcast episode, I think, is that when a country imposes tariffs, Mm -hmm. it's, it's confusing to a lot of people because the intention very often is to like punish the other country. Right. Right. But when a country imposes tariffs, it is the citizens of that country that pay the additional price because the tariff takes effect when the goods cross into the border and come into this country. So if, if Switzerland puts tariffs on imports, it's the people of Switzerland who pay the tariff. And when the United States puts tariffs on goods from overseas, it is the purchasers in the United States that pay the tariff. Individuals and companies. Yes. And people would people under, may be understandably confused about this because when Donald Trump unilaterally imposed tariffs on steel and many other things, uh, aluminum, he said this is, this is going to be great for the federal budget because we're going to have all these other countries paying these tariffs. Right. No, the other countries did not pay the right. tariffs. He, and he persisted in this rhetoric. Right. He persisted in saying, in giving people the impression that this was money that was free money from overseas. Right. It's, right? Other, it's other countries other that are paying Other people are paying tariffs. this money. And Whereas, in fact, again, when you impose tariffs, 
it is the consumers in your country who pay the tariffs because it is a it is a tax that is applied when the foreign goods come into this country. It's the purchasers of the foreign goods who pay the tariff. Right. And we know Donald Trump had economists around there around him who knew better. Mm-hmm. And whether he just didn't learn it or he wanted to continue making that case, I don't know. Right. But no, it's the it's the individuals living in the country that's imposing the tariffs that end up paying and a tariff is a tax. So it's a tax increase on mm-hmm. people. Yep. And Switzerland didn't have high tariffs anyway. Their their highest tariffs, average tariff was on apparel that was five point one percent, but furniture's two point six percent, essential oils two point two percent, footwear two point one percent. So it goes down toys one point seven percent. But they're still keeping their tariffs on most of their agricultural products, but they aren't they're t- they're removing from almost all other imports. So that's a good step for that. And and as I said, t- uh, Switzerland tended to have low tariffs anyway. Just yeah. to give you an idea, uh, Bermuda, the weighted mean applied tariff of Bermuda, highest in the world, 24.1 percent. Uh, Belize, 18 percent. Cayman Islands, 16 percent. Uh, uh, Chad and other countries. So it tends to be lower income countries for the most part, smaller countries that impose these high tariffs. When you get to the lowest tariffs out there, Hong Kong is still the lowest tariff at zero. Macau, which is also part of China, Sudan, uh, Brunei, 0%. Singapore, 0.1%. Mm-hmm. So Zing- Singapore is almost there. Uh, Chile, 0.4%. Peru, G- 0.7%. Um, the United States tends to be in the 1.6, range. So we tend to be, we have tariffs on a number of products, but we tend to be lower on average. But what happened, what happened is that Trump imposed these tariffs on um, uh, aluminum, steel, and other things. Uh, President Biden has kept those tariffs in place for the most part, and so we still have those. And there was a cost of that. Looking at what that cost was, um, the uh, Foundation for Economic Education looked at this and said, some uh, in 2018, there were some $218 billion in imports that were hit by tariffs uh, between 10 and 50 percent of the United States. That ended up costing a, a significant amount of money from Americans who had to pay these. So several economists looked at this and they estimate that Americans were left about $7.4 billion poorer because of the economic consequences of Trump's tariff. And they also paid about $12 billion more in taxes because of Trump's tariffs. So there was an economic hit to that. Now, we bring this up because even though Switzerland is lowering its tariffs, Donald Trump has said if he's elected president, he wants to impose a 10% tariff across the board on everything. There would be a 10% tariff that he'd like to impose on just about everything. And he may, he's trying to make the case that this will be good for the country, both because it will bring in revenue, then this notion mm-hmm. again that other countries pay it, right? but also because he wants to protect U.S. businesses. He wants our country, our companies, to have less competition from other countries. So let's back up sort of like twenty or 30,000 feet on this issue of tariffs, right? Because... Th- 
it might be that there are strategic reasons to oppose a specific tariff on a specific country Mm -hmm. or on a specific product. But it's important for Americans to be clear-eyed and understanding about this, that it is Americans who pay that tariff. Mm -hmm. Do not ever fall for this understanding, this misunderstanding that somehow a tariff is a tax on people from overseas. It is always the American consumer who ends up paying that tariff, whether it's directly or indirectly. Right. So there might be reasons to justify a tariff, but you want to be clear-eyed about it and you want to understand we're the ones paying for this. So if the decision is, for strategic reasons, we want to no longer import X Mm -hmm. from Y country, okay, or we want to discourage it. So we're going to put a tariff on importing X from Y country. And the way this works, of course, is if you have a ten, if if a product is coming over and it's going to cost, I'm going to say a million dollars, and you impose a 10% tariff, now the person who's buying it has got to pay a million one hundred thousand yeah, dollars yeah. for it. And the person buying it in your equation is probably just an importer, a distributor, right? right who's going to turn around then and sell it to retailers. And the retailers are going to sell it to consumers. But inevitably, that 10% increase in cost ends up getting passed down to consumers. Right. So there's no such thing as a free tariff, just like there's no such thing as a free lunch. Again, if you think for some reason a tariff is justified, you at least want to be clear-eyed and understand that it is American consumers who are going to pay the tariff. It is not people overseas who are going to pay the tariff. It is American consumers who are going to pay the tariff. So what would this end up costing the consumer if we end up doing this? Mm-hmm. If Donald Trump is elected and he imposes this tariff. So the Tax Foundation has done a quick estimate of this. And they said in, they said in 2022, we bought more, the U.S. bought more than $3.2 trillion worth of goods from other countries. And so if you had a 10% across the board uh, tariff, Tax Foundation said that roughly estimates about $300 billion mm. in new taxes imposed upon American, American individuals consumers. And, and consumers that's right. yeah. and customers yeah. and uh, that, that's companies. A, that's a, a tariff is a tax increase on Americans. Right. There's no doubt about it. That Again, going back to the earlier point, politically, if you want to sell the American people on the idea that a particular tariff is strategic, fine. But be honest and clear-eyed about it, right? It's a tax increase. You Americans... You know, you voters, you're going to pay more for goods in order to do this. And it may be that American voters are willing to do that. Mm-hmm. It may be that they're willing to do it for a particular thing. But you don't want to slip into this rhetoric that Donald Trump has been guilty of propounding, which is somehow the idea that people from foreign countries are paying the tariff because they're not. It's Americans who are paying the tariff. Now, here's the two things. In Switzerland, they said, we realize it's going to be a hit on our federal budget in Switzerland, mm-hmm. but we think it increases competitiveness. It does mm-hmm. because it lowers prices and you've got to be more competitive to compete with other countries that are, are uh, Swiss companies are going to have to be more competitive to be able to compete with other countries that might have lower wages and other mm-hmm. things. And so it, it forces more competitiveness. And it all, they also said, the Swiss said, we've been under inflation for some years now. By allowing this, by taking these tariffs off, it lowers the cost to our people and we think it will actually see lower prices going forward. And if you want to try to address these high prices of inflation, allowing companies, giving them a reason to be able to charge lower prices rather than higher prices would be a good move. That's a really, really great point. Um, 
I just want to mention casually, you and I have both been to Switzerland, mm-hmm. right? And Switzerland sort of, you know, positions itself in the global economy as like independent from everyone else, right. whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's trade agreements or whether it's military agreements or whatever. I guess I'm a little surprised that Switzerland had any remaining tariffs at all, but apparently they're modest. But what you just described in Switzerland is them putting consumer welfare first. Right. And we did, you and I did a policy basics podcast uh, earlier this year. Actually, it was in last year, it was in 2022, on the idea that consumer welfare should always come first and that this is a core economic free market principle. And it really applies here in this, in this discussion of tariffs that consumer welfare should come ahead of producer welfare. It's the producer's welfare to serve the consumer. It's not the consumer's job to serve the producer, right? Mm -hmm. And so tariffs are a perfect example of this because people who advocate tariffs are trying to do favors for producers at the expense of consumers. Right. It's it's the steel industry that argues for tariffs. So tariffs are a benefit to producers and they are an expense to consumers. And so if you accept our rule of thumb, which is that consumer benefit should always come first, that would make you reflexively against tariffs. And to the point of the competitiveness, if you're a U.S. if you're a U.S. business and you go and lobby for tariffs on this on your particular product, it allows you to keep your price your prices higher, mm-hmm. and it forces you to be you don't have to be as competitive. You don't have to look for ways to get more efficiency right in out of it because. The government just now allowed you to keep prices higher. Exactly. This is basic Adam Smith stuff. This is basic um, comparative advantage stuff. If another country can produce something cheaper than your country can, you should allow your consumers to benefit from that, right? So if another country can can produce a particular kind of s- steel, mm-hmm. if another country can particular can produce wicker baskets, if another country can produce, you know, cotton underwear cheaper than you can, then you should allow your consumers to benefit from that. And with respect to steel, there were certain types of steel the U.S. manufacturers just didn't make. Exactly. But they weren't exempted from this, so they had to pay. If you were buying that particular type of steel, you still had to pay the tariff, even if there wasn't a domestic manufacturer that you could go to instead. And there were other kinds of steel that really only the only countries like the U.S. and Germany can produce. So, you know, it, it, it makes total sense that an advanced, highly engineered economy like the United States or Germany, say, can produce things that no other country on the planet can produce, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's their competitive advantage. It makes total sense that there are countries like Vietnam that can make undergarments cheaper than anybody else can. Right. That's their comparative advantage, right? So it's it makes total sense that Brazil can produce sugarcane cheaper than any other country on the planet. These are all just comparative advantages. And so the, the whole point of putting consumers first is allowing consumers to take advantage of cheap sugar from Brazil, cheap undergarments from Vietnam, cheap wicker baskets from China, right? And you know, if you have a need for the most exotic kinds of materials, the most exotic kinds of steel, the most exotic kinds of high-tech stuff, you're probably going to have to buy it from countries like the United States, from Germany, you know, from France, from, from more advanced economies like that. But that's the whole basic Adam Smith 
comparative advantage stuff. And so when we talk about tariffs like this, it really takes you into that whole discussion of like, you know, we like to talk about free trade, but free trade is an ideal that will probably never be obtained. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should be talking about smart trade or like strategic trade, something like that, because there are there may be competitive reasons why we don't want to give China access to our most cutting edge uh, computer chips mm -hmm. and things like that. There may be reasons why we don't want it to be dependent on a foreign adversary for rare earth minerals, pharmaceutical ingredients, things like that. But, you know, you might be perfectly happy to buy other goods from countries like that, just not certain goods. So, you know, when we talk about trade, and trade is a, is a policy area that we have IPI have sort of carved out that we want to do some work on because, frankly, we don't think there's a lot of other or another a lot of organizations that are doing a lot of thoughtful work in this space. Um, the one extreme is like absolute free trade, uh, drop all tariffs, have no trade barriers, absolute consumer good, come what may. The opposite of that is what you've been describing with Trump, where he wants to put like a tariff on everything across the board, right? Right. Which is, I think, if you've been following this podcast, obviously, as we think is an ill thought policy. Somewhere in the middle in the gray zone is sort of smart trade where you say we're going to be very careful about certain kind of imports and exports to certain countries, but otherwise we want consumers to gain all of the advantage. But the, the main point here is that you want to be clear-eyed about it. You, you don't want to make any mistake about the fact that when you impose a tariff, you're imposing it on your own consumers. You're not imposing it on foreign producers. You're imposing it on your own consumers. So the Tax Foundation estimated that if we if we continue with $3.2 trillion worth of imports from other countries, a 10% uh, tariff on that would be about $300 billion in, a, in any given year. But mm -hmm. it goes on to say, and I'm reading from this, from the Tax Foundation, using the Tax Foundation's general equilibrium model, we estimate a new 10% tariff on all imports would reduce the size of the U.S. economy by 0.7% and eliminate 505,000 full-time equivalent jobs. So it's not just people end up paying more in taxes. There's also a cost to the growth of the economy, yep. and there's a cost to jobs out there. Really good point because of the fact that if you're going to introduce a distortion into trade, right, there's a cost to be paid for that. Because right. there are people in this country whose jobs depend on that trade. There are businesses in this country whose businesses depend on that trade. And so if you're, if you're going to introduce tariffs and if you're going to restrict trade or whatever, it's not a freebie, right? It's not a, okay, well, great, we get the straight line increase in you know tariffs or whatever. There's a downside to that as well. There's a loss of jobs. There's a loss of productivity. There's a loss of GDP. Ultimately, if you believe in limited government and free markets, what you should want is the maximum possible liberalized trade. You should want trade that at, as, as, as liberalized as possible, say, other than sort of for like a you know, national defense or national security exclusion. Otherwise, you should want as liberal as possible trade. You should want the maximum possible efficiency, again, to that point of creating jobs and wealth and, and increasing GDP and everything that goes along with economic efficiency. And just so we highlight the, down, uh, the downwind 
impact of this. If I'm paying more for steel, if I'm paying more for cars, if I'm paying more for clothes that are being imported into the U.S., that's less money I have to go out to the restaurant, less money I have to go to the theater, less money I have for other things. And so there's this spread out. The impact of it is not just me having to pay more for one thing. I have less money than to buy other things that would create that locally that might create American jobs here. Really good point. I mean, literally, if you just... It's kind of simple to envision. If there's just a 10% tariff on everything coming in from overseas, okay? Okay, great. So you buy a new television, right? Well, it's going to be 10% more expensive than it would have been absent the tariff. Mm -hmm. Okay, well... What would you have done with that extra ten percent? As you said, you might have gone out to you might have gone out to dinner, right? That money would have gone to another U.S. business, and now it's not going to. So there's no free lunch. You you, you don't get to slap a ten percent tariff on everything and say this is all free revenue and there's no downside cost. There are significant downside costs. Right. Well, we appreciate you joining us for today's episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. You can find a lot of material at our website about trade policy and tariffs at IPI.org. So we would invite you to check it out at IPI.org. Yes, that's one of those great short three-digit internet URLs. That shows you how long we've been around at IPI. Uh, If you go to IPI.org, you can sign up if you'd like to receive notice of all of our new podcasts, new content, and upcoming events. If you've enjoyed this podcast or if you found it useful, How about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? And how about forwarding it along to friends that you think might find it of interest? You can also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.